This is the first week of a three-week series which we have called The Prayer Factor. All right, listen to Paul as he writes, as he actually writes his prayer. For this reason, ever since I've heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking, and this is the prayer that he's articulating, that he prays for them regularly, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. Say that with me. Say, so that you may know him better. Shout amen. Please be seated. Lord, we're asking that you will work miracles in our minds and insight and in our hearts today as it relates to prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, let me make a couple of really quick points as we, as we back into this series. Uh, the first point I want to make is that all over the globe, there is a kind of basic instinct for prayer. And I think statistics show that it's actually a growing instinct. In the main uh, uh, monotheistic religions, uh, for example, in Islam, people are called to pray five times a day. In Judaism, people are called to pray three times a day. In Christianity, we're often uh, guided by Luke chapter 18, verse 1, where Jesus uh, says that... His followers ought to always pray and, uh, and never give up, that we ought to have an attitude, a permanent attitude towards prayer. Uh, if you look down the street or across the desk at your, uh, your colleague next to you, they're probably doing yoga. Uh, uh, there are others who are uh, transcendental meditation. And uh, in every culture across the globe, there's some expression of prayer. There's an instinct for prayer. Uh, as a matter of fact, there are some surveys that have been done over the last several years, and they bear these out. They say that people who are intentionally, who are uh, by design not religious, uh, still from time to time find themselves praying. Uh, one survey suggested that people who self-identify as atheists, 30% of them say that they either have or they do pray from time to time. There's another survey that says that people who self-identify as having uh, no faith perspective at all, 17% uh, of them still would say that from time to time they pray. Shout instinct. There's a basic instinct that we have for prayer. As a matter of fact, one of the great 17th century uh, theologians put it this way, that prayer is essentially the breath of God within us returning to its place of birth. That inwardly all of us, wherever we are, know uh, that there's some part of us that, that suggests that we need to connect with that which is greater than ourselves. Now, while that instinct is real and true and in some cases uh, measurable, it leads us to then ask the question, if we have such impulse to pray, why is it that 
for many of us, especially inside of the Christian tradition and community, our lives are prayerless. Why is it that we don't regularly pray? There's a difference between having an instinct of prayer, right? And having a deep life of prayer. There's a difference. And I would suspect that there's a couple of reasons why potentially we don't kind of regularly pray or have cultivated lives of prayer. Uh, one is, oh, let me just by, 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 just by survey, if you have ever prayed or if you pray from time to time, raise your hand. Let me see. You see? Everybody's raised their hand. See? See? Shout instinct. All oh, have an instinct of prayer. But there's a difference between those of us who've raised our hand that say, you know, we have an instinct, we pray from time to time, versus those of us who might say, you know, I have a deep life of prayer. Now, I have a couple of thoughts about this. One is, probably for many of us, uh, we've kind of experienced in prayer that there's no kind of guarantee uh, that, that, that we have that God, that we can kind of get God to do what we want God to do. Because for many of us, prayer is, I won't say superficial, but let me suggest self-oriented. That, that we're, we're, we think of prayer as the means to get God to do what we want God to do. And since we cannot necessarily always get God to do what we want to do, and since we basically conclude, uh, if it's doable, I can do it, we lack the incentive to develop a deep place of prayer. So for many of us, we don't really pray uh, and this is not a kind of a scolding thing, it's just kind of lifting up. I mean, all of us, I mean, preachers are involved in this as well. Uh, we don't really pray until we get in trouble. And we're completely out of options. And there's no more resources. And it's at that point we say, well, maybe God can help. And we set up what I want to call a flare of prayer, right? Help! <laughs> that's all right because God loves us enough he engages with us and sometimes he interacts even in those moments that's the kind of God we have but I think this passage suggests to us as we think about this the answer to the question well, why is it that you know God doesn't always answer my prayer and, and if that's the case why should I keep praying Paul answers this question for us let's look at this passage again all right, so put it back up on the screen, Ephesians 1. Let me read it for you again. For this reason, ever since I've heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people. Watch this, next. I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in all my prayers. We'll come back to that in a minute. Next verse. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may get a spouse. Oh, I'm sorry, I didn't say that. So that you may get a raise on your job. No, I didn't say that. So that you might be healed. Doesn't say that. 
Now in other places, Scripture invites us to ask, seek, and knock for anything that we actually need. So yes, God invites us to bring those concerns. But what Paul is saying is that, that God's priority, shout priority. God's priority for prayer is not what we acquire or secure from God, but God's priority for prayer is so that you may what? Know him better. That what God wants to give us through prayer is essentially God himself. We know God better, which sustains us both in time and eternity. So the chief purpose of prayer from God's perspective is that we're, here's why I can make this point. You and I can measure the temperature of our spiritual relationship with God to a large degree by how active our prayer lives are. Because it's in the life of prayer that we have the kind of encounter with God that brings life and richness to what we call our relationship. It's in prayer that we come to know God better. More and more. So, Prayer is a big deal. Secondly, prayer ought to be a priority in our lives. Now, we all struggle with prayer. Now, let me just say this, by the way. One reason we struggle with prayer, uh, in, 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 in addition to what I've kind of laid out, uh, is that even if we buy the idea that prayer is what I need to be doing, it's hard. Tell the person next to you, prayer is difficult. Tell them. It's difficult. You know, those of you who actually tried to pray on some regular basis, you know how I tell you it's tough. Right? At least when you start, we kind of start from a place of, when you start, I mean, you know, like you say, okay, I'm going to spend 15 minutes with God in prayer. And then, you know, you get ready and then your phone goes off. And then there's, there's a phone call you got to answer. Or a text you say, okay, I'm going to cut the phone off so that I can really focus on prayer. Uh, and then your daughter comes in or your, your child comes in or, or some issue that, that becks at you. You say, you know what? I'm going to lock myself in a room so no one can get to me and I'm just going to just me and God. And then you start praying and then your shoulder starts to hurt. Uh, or your knee is hurting. Or your arm is just all these distractions that takes place. Uh, a shout, prayer is hard. At least in the beginning. But if, in fact, you develop the discipline of prayer, you move from prayer being a duty to prayer being a delight. But it's a journey. It's not overnight. It's, but it's worth it. It's worth the experience. Shout priority. Prayer should be the priority. Well, we preachers, we have to keep relearning this lesson in our own lives. I remember when I really changed my attitude towards prayer, I was finishing up my, my first church that I pastored was in Pine Bluff, Arkansas. And at the end of that tenure, I had already accepted uh, the new assignment to be the new senior pastor of Roxbury Presbyterian Church. And during the last three weeks I was at Faith Prayers, this conviction fell on me that I needed a deeper life of prayer. Now, it's not that I didn't pray. I prayed before any, every, you know, as I got ready to prepare my messages, I'd pray. Uh, I'd pray for people who were sick. I'd pray in the middle of the worship gatherings for prayer confession, these different things that we had built in. 
But there's a difference between those kind of ritual prayers and a deep life of prayer. And I didn't have a deep life of prayer. And God, knowing where he was sending me to and what he wanted to do to change the trajectory of my life, he began to lay on a burden. You need, so the way I translate is, I need to, I just started longing for, I need to, I need to, I think I need to spend more time in prayer. But then I realized I didn't really quite know fully how to do that. I'm, here I was a pastor, seminary grad. I said, you know what, I need a good book on how to do this. And so I took a trip to a conference in Texas and it was a, pre- a group of Presbyterian pastors meeting in Texas and it was the last conference. I got back to the airport early because the conference ended early which meant I got to catch an earlier flight for which I was very excited until I walked onto the plane. And when I walked onto the plane my excitement left because the plane was I mean, I think it was, it was one of those hot, humid days. The play was packed. I think they gave me the last seat that they had, which meant it was, I'm traumatized to this day because of that experience. It was a seat right in the middle. I didn't get you. Now when I get a plane, I'm always, give me an aisle seat. Never again will I do this again. And because I went, I had to sit in the middle of two well-developed people. And I was like this, and it was hot, and it was humid, and it was stuffy, and I was claustrophobic. It was terrible. (laughs) But the guy on my right, you know, the plane getting ready to take off, and he's he's jovial. He's excited. He's having a great time. You ever see those guys? He's talking back and forth. And I'm like, whoa, would you just please just kind of chill out, you know, quietly. I didn't tell him that. Uh, And then he mentions... And you know what? I'm just coming from a prayer conference. When he says that, he catches my attention. So I said, really? And we start to talk about the prayer conference. And he says, oh, and by the way, there's this great book. And he pulls out this book. It's called The Prayer Factor, he says. And he shows me the book. He says, man, it just revolutionary. revolutionized my understanding of prayer. And I went, I was, wow, that's great. I've been looking for a book. And part of me wanted to like, could I, I I'm tracked. My bag is up. I can't get a pen or anything. And so I just I said to myself, I said, well, I'm just going to have to try to remember the name. Prayer Factor, Prayer Factor. Uh, in my mind. Then he puts the thing back in his bag. He's talking some more. Then he stops in the middle of his, he looks at me very frustrated. I get a bit concerned. <laughs> Did I say something? Or what? I don't know. What's... And then he reaches in his bag. He comes out and he gives me the book. He says, here, the Lord just told me to give you this book. Now celebrate that. That's how how God works. Uh I rush home and I read the book in one sitting. It is, in fact, very revolutionary about prayer and the practice of prayer and the power of prayer. And then I call ahead to Rockford Press. I said, look, even before I arrive, I want the board to approve that we're going to do 90 days of prayer. And that from Monday to Friday, we're going to meet at the church from 6 to, uh, to 8. You can go and come as you want. I'm going to preach and teach on prayer. And we're not going to be asking God for any single thing other than that he just revealed himself to us and revealed his will and his power to us. 
And the, and the board says, wow, this is great. Who's not going to vote for prayer? So they said, let's do it. I get there. The church engages in prayer. And midway through, there's this, ex- this spiritual explosion in the life of the church. But what we get the most from that is that the, the power and the presence of God became so tangible. Everybody say, know him better. Until the people were transformed, all of us were transformed, and as the years moved forward, because we were, we were coming to know him better, we were able to trust him for big things like the building campaign you heard me talk about a few weeks ago, but we were also able, listen, to trust him because it was so powerful and powerful during that season that when violence broke out, And several kids from our church community got murdered. Rather than us giving up on God, we had enough experience of God, of his love and of his presence that we leaned in. And out of that experience, Rock's Prayers is one of the leading churches in Roxbury with a crisis center today that has helped hundreds of people work through their grief around Gun violence and pain. That comes out of knowing God better. All right. So let me just take the next few moments. Next two weeks, I'm going to talk about how. So this is this introductory. Everybody say how. That's next week and the week after that. So tell the person you got to come back next week. Tell them. All right, now tell somebody else, remind me to come back next week, please, next week. I don't want to forget it. So we're going to talk about the how, how we're going to do it. But today I really want to talk about the what, all right? So here I want to talk about some of the characteristics, some of the distinctives of Christian prayer. What is it that makes Christian prayer unique and, and significant and, and, and a high priority in this pursuit of knowing God better? The first thing that makes uh, Christian prayer unique is that inside of Christian prayer from a biblical perspective God is always the other everybody shout the other in some prayer traditions uh, the person who is praying uh, uh, they start off praying to God but the goal is for them to end up being one with God so the line the distinction between the person who prays and God is actually eliminated. Now, from a Christian standpoint, that is uh, absolutely uh, uh, anti who we are and who we understand God to be. Because from Genesis to Revelation, the Bible repeatedly makes the point. Here's the point. Never confuse yourself with God. Tell the person next to you, forgive me. Tell them, forgive me. But don't think you're God. Tell them. <laughs> now listen. Truth be told, we all have run into some people who act like they God. Problematic. So from a Christian standpoint, we never ever assume that we become God. So the purpose of prayer inside of our pursuit to know God better is not that we become one with God, but that we become intimate with God. That we come to know Him better and better and better. It's, it's like 
adult children who have great relationships with your parents. You just love them and there's a closeness that you have with your parents. And yet, you're not your parents. Somebody said, thank you. (laughs) It's relational. You have to reserve the other. Uh, spouses who are in love and in marriage. The, the, even the scripture says the two shall become one, but it's not talking about one in nature. It means uh, together in terms of our mind and, and our pursuits and so forth and so on. Right? But, but we maintain our, our independence and yet we, through life we get closer because we come to know each other better as we go through different circumstances together. And Paul is saying the best prayer I can pray for the Christians in Ephesus, and I love you guys, is that as you move through various circumstances along your journey, that each step of the way, you'll come to know God in God's richness, in God's diversity, in God's love. You'll come to know God better and better and better. Number two, this is why in Christian prayer... While there is a place for silence, it's important to have some silence in prayer. I always like to say that prayer is conversational. And so uh, when we talk to God, we create space for God to speak back to us. And many of us treat prayer like we do our relationships. You know that person, that dear friend of yours, that when they come over, you get them on the phone and they start talking. They just talk and they just talk. They just talk. It's about themselves. It's about their concerns. So for a whole hour, you're listening to them talk. And then at the end of it, they say, thank you. They never ask how you're doing. They never ask your opinion. They're never concerned about what you thought. You're just a placeholder. So they can talk and talk about themselves. That's how a lot of us treat prayer. Because just a praise that we just want to tell God everything, 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 everything. And God cannot get a word in edgewise. So there has to be a place for silence. Having said that, though, Christian prayer always leans towards Words and emotions, because it takes words and emotions to shape relationship. So, Christian, it's not a part of the Christian tradition that we empty our minds of everything and uh, we just focus on one word so that we can empty our minds and become kind of tranquil and, 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 and kind of one with the universe. That's not the Christian concept. Because that, that is a focus on me. The Christian concept calls us into relationship with God. So we use words and emotions. Shout words. That's why when Paul says, I pray for you, I, he talks about uh, in my prayers. There's a diversity of prayers. A lot of people think, well, you know, prayer is boring. I do more of it. It wasn't so boring. Well, here's why it's often boring for you. Because you have just one prayer. Like some of you have already prayed it today. Your basic prayer is, God, let my team win. <laughs> you didn't acknowledge it, but you know you prayed that prayer, right? And, 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 so, and so that's the basic prayer we pray. God, this is what I want. God, this is what I need. God, well, that's narrow. And if you've got a friend or a child who the only relationship they have with you is when they want something, 
Some of, some of y'all have quit dating people because the only, only, only depth of your relationship is what they can get out of it. Now that's boring. Prayer is rich and diverse. Jesus teaches us in Matthew chapter 6 verse 9 that there's a variety of prayers. He starts off by saying, hallowed be thy name. In other words, God help me to make your name holy. That's what we call entering into prayer creates a space for, 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 for the awe. Everybody go, awe. Oh, yeah. yeah. Just assume like this. That somebody lets you into one of the great museums of the world. And they allow you to, to hold one of the most precious diamonds they surround you with security guards so you can't run with it. But they say, they say you can look at it for about five minutes. Here's what's going to happen. You're going to take that diamond and you're going to start turning it. And as you turn it, the light's going to hit it in different ways. And as it hits it, Come on, the different glimmers and different colors are going to happen and the brilliance of it is going to shift and you're going to find yourself going, wow. You're going to say, oh my goodness. He goes, oh my. We call that praise because prayer is the place where we begin to look at God through different sets of lenses. Prayer is the place that we begin to see who God is through His Son Jesus, who God is as we go through tough times, who God is as we go through great times. We begin to see His love from various vantage points. We recognize His power uh, from different perspectives. We recognize uh, uh, what is, how, how extraordinary it is to affirm that God is always with us no matter where we are. And we find ourselves going, wow, wow, oh my goodness, for which we use words like praise God, hallelujah. Everybody shout, Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. Paul says here, I give thanks for you regularly, which means that he, he regularly prays and he has one of his prayers, uh, way of praying is through giving thanks, his Thanksgiving list. So in the morning, if you think that prayer is boring, in the morning you can take about 15 minutes and say, God, I'm just going to give you praise. I'm just going to acknowledge you for who you are. I'm going to acknowledge you that you're the God of creation, that you're the one who gave birth to the heavens and to the earth and to the galaxies. Oh my goodness, how that expands my notion of who you are. Uh, uh, and then at noon, you can go to God and say, you know what, God, I'm just going to thank you. And, and, and you begin to take note. You can do this two ways. One, here, here's my thank you list for the week or for the day but two and this is biblical here's here's my thank you list across my life see you ought to keep notes about how God has showed up across your life so that you can look back and give God thanks. I mean, I can do it. I reflect on it regularly. I, rem I, I know that when I was born, six months old, born, uh, scarred, in the hospital for a year, parents divorced, my mom was going to put me in an orphanage. But then my grand aunt said, if you can get him to me, I'll keep him. That was a God moment. And I think about it and I give him praise. I remember being in the third grade and being a special need kid in a racially divided town. And my white teacher went to bed for me and got me into a mainstream program. That was a God moment. I remember going to college from, from a country town. Didn't even realize I needed to fill out financial aid papers. And I got there, and they said, you got to fill them out. Come on now. And, and it may take weeks, months. You may have to go home. And I, got to, I called 
My grand aunt, I said, I, did, I, I didn't know I had to fill out the paperwork and fill out the paper. She calls my aunt, who's married to a police juror. He calls the state senator. The state senator calls the president of the university. The president of the university sends a message, says, find Herman Hamilton, bring him to the office. I show up, this little country boy who wasn't even smart enough to know he needed financial aid papers. Come on, I don't know what I was thinking, but I show up in the president's office. Come on. And the president says, well, evidently, you know somebody. Come on. Watch this. He was talking about the senator, which, by the way, I didn't know. But, I was, but the one I knew was God. Come on now. That's all I needed to know. And God made it possible. Watch it. Watch this. This is my favorite part. So the president said, well, I'm going to give what kind of job you want. I'm going to give you a job till your paperwork comes. I said, Mr. President, Dr. Johnson was his name. I said, I'll, I'll, I'll clean uh, commodes bathrooms I'll cut the yard I'll do whatever I just want to go to school and he was so impressed by that answer he said you know what I'm gonna give you the best job on the campus and he put me in the financial aid office (laughs) shout God oh that's the God I serve so when I have a bad week when I have a bad month and I think God is not with me, I think God has forgotten about me, I think God has written me off, I go back to my Thanksgiving list and I remember all the different ways that God has shown up in my life and whatever God is doing now, I know he hasn't forgotten me. Paul writes, I want you to know him better. Part of the way is through. Our prayers, Thanksgiving. The scripture says in Hebrews uh, chapter 5, 7, that we should bring our emotions to prayer. And guys, especially listen, because right, we like to hold back. But prayer is the place where we get naked before God. And scripture says that when Jesus was on the earth, that he brought many prayers prayed many prayers with fervency with a loud cry and many tears what's unique about God is how he you know God will mess with you sometimes you know the way God works is you'll reach for God in prayer and he'll step back you'll reach for God he'll step back you'll reach for God he'll step back and what God is trying to do is that he's teaching you that the greatest hunger the greatest thirst the most transformational hunger and thirst you can have is a hunger and thirst for him it's more powerful and extraordinary than for sex or for money or for promotion or for power it is a thirst to know him better it is that relationship that will will be maintained both in time and eternity I want to know him bring all your emotions and so thirdly talk about what's this thing about Christian prayer God is always the other. There is silence, but it moves towards words and emotions. And it's always conversational, as I said a moment ago. Two quick points I want to make here. The first point is, the conversation is always initiated by God. And the way he initiated the conversation is that he gave us his word. The Bible. And so that's why the psalmist says in 119, I will hide your word in my heart that I will not sin against you. 
That is why he says in the same uh, psalm at verse 105, uh, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And they used to literally uh, 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 tie lamps to their feet so that it was flashlights as they would would walk to the path. Uh, And the basic point, I'll come back to the how next week, but the basic point is this. You want to make sure that you're not creating God in your own image. And you want to make sure that when you think you're hearing from God, that is in fact, it's God and not your psychology. Uh, and, And the best way to do that is that God will always speak. He will never speak in a way that contradicts who he has revealed himself to be in Scripture. All right, so that's the point. Second point, move forward, is we'll come back next week to drill that out. Second point is that what's unique about Christian prayer is Jesus. Everybody shout Jesus. Jesus. Now, now, let me say two things about Jesus. One, he's the model and the teach, teacher of prayer. In, in, in Mark 1.13, it tells us this. Jesus got up early in the morning while it was still dark and spent time in prayer. He's teaching us about how to prioritize prayer. Uh, You'll find uh, that that, that after his baptism, the scripture says he was praying and the the Holy Spirit came upon him. He's reminding us that if you want to move in God's power, you got to spend time with God. Uh, before he before he executes on any miracle, such as he's standing before Lazarus' grave, uh, before that miracle happens, he says, he says, God, uh, 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 I'm asking you to do this to the Father. He says, I'm asking you to do this so that people will know that I am from you, that this is really about you and nothing else. The teaching is that when you face the great challenges on your job and in the context of life that is beyond your ability, Turn to the one who's able to do exceedingly abundantly more than you can ask or imagine. And he will empower you to do what you can't do by yourself. You can get it done with him. But make sure you give him the glory. So he's a great model and teacher of prayer. But he's also the means for our prayer. Here's where we're in this. Listen. Everybody say means. Here's what I mean. We just did communion. Here's the lesson of communion. And this is critical. Here's the lesson of communion. Scripture says that when Jesus died on the cross, that he became sin for us. That we might become the righteousness of God. The point, he was innocent. But he took your place and my place once and for all and paid an eternal penalty for the collective and individual reality of our sins. And when he died and got up from the grave, and this is actually indicated in in Ephesians verse 13 where Paul says, he, he talks about the moment they believed this message that if you believe that Jesus has paid it all for your sins and if you will surrender to him as Lord that means boss and savior that means redeemer then this is what it means to pray in Jesus name it means that when you go to the God the father as Paul talks about in this text you go in the name of Jesus and you're, you essentially are saying this when you pray in Jesus name you're saying Jesus you're saying God I know 
that I, I, you know, that on my own, I'm not worthy to be in your presence. I got mess still in my life. But on the basis of what Jesus has done for me on Calvary's cross, I, I receive and believe the good news that I can walk boldly into your throne room and I can just lay out before you my hopes and my dreams and my struggles and you will receive me just like I am. Isn't that wonderful? Give God a hand praise. That, that means anybody can go. If you trust Jesus, anybody can go. Let me just say one last thing about this. And in the context of that relationship, Jesus gives us the flexibility in our prayers to wrestle with God. Shout wrestle. Now let me check here. Let's, let's, let's point this out. You know this to be true. That people who you really love over a period of time, you got there through great conflict. Right? If it's your best friend or your spouse, for me, me and Rhonda, man, she's the bomb. But for the first 10 years, we were fighting and crying and all kinds of stuff. Can you say great conflict? And she stayed with me anyway. That's a God moment. Praise God. Hallelujah. And yet, here's the deal. You know why? Because no matter how cute she is, there's just some stuff that's going to confuse you. No matter how nice he is, there's just some stuff he's going to do that's going to get on your last nerves. And there's some things that you just don't understand. And you've got to engage him, right? Engage her. And that's what God says. There are some things you won't understand. But he welcomes us. That's Jacob wrestling with the angel. He welcomes us. That's Job praying through his experience. He welcomes us to wrestle. That's Habakkuk saying, how long, O Lord, must I cry and you will not answer even cry of violence and you will not save. He welcomes us into that wrestling. Why? Because through the wrestling we come to know him better. So here's where I end. My last story. Some of you may have heard this before. When my son Jonathan was uh, about 19 years old I had to take him in for his, the shots that the kids take. And I took him in, the, and we set him up on the thing. And that nurse pulled out a big old needle. He looked at it, started crying, got scared. I looked at it, I got scared. <laughs> I just didn't show it, but I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> and, and, and she said it's going to hurt, but just for a little bit. The problem was she said it's going to hurt. And so she, she said, but just, just, and when he looked at it, he got agitated. He started crying. He started moving. He started moving. And I said, Jonathan, look at me. And he looked at me, but then he looked back at that needle. And she said, I said, Jonathan, look at me. And Jonathan was looking at me. And so as he started looking at me, and she took that needle. She, she stuck it in him. And when she stuck it in him, he, he cried. I said, keep looking at me. And he kept looking at me. And Boom, she pulled it out. And when she pulled it out, I reached over and embraced him again. I said, you all right? He said, oh, yes, all right. And then he got up and we went off together. Well, what's the point? You see, the point is, when Paul, the reason why Paul says, my greatest prayer is that you know God better. It's because there's going to come times in your life when you're sick and healing is not on the horizon. But God is going to say, look at me. 
There's going to come times in your life where you're in the midst of financial challenge. There's chaos on your job. And it doesn't look like things are going to go right. But God is going to say, look at me. Come on now. And, 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 and when Jonathan looked at me, he, he, he got what that meant. He, I was reminding him, I'm your daddy. And I've never lied to you. Come on now. I've always kept my word. I've always kept my promise. And I'm standing here with you. And I'm telling you, yes, it's going to hurt. But I'm going to have the last word over. Come on. You go. I'm going to take you home from here. You're going to get beyond it. It's going to be all right. Just trust me. And when he felt the pain, I said, just trust me. And because he knew me, y'all ain't listening. He trusted me. And because he trusted me, I gave him the strength just by looking at me to endure what he couldn't have endured by himself God says look at me that's the power of prayer keep your eyes on me trust me shout hallelujah amen that's it tell your neighbor that's it that's it that's it that's it that's it that's it it. I'll come back I want to teach you how to look at him next week Pull out your card. Next steps may be to accept Jesus. Be baptized, serve, small group. You should check what's relevant. But under the response to the message, here's what I want to ask you to do. I'm not even going to ask you to pray this week. I'm reminded that Bill Heibel said a long time ago that he had a um, that his he has a chair in his house and that's when he gets ready to pray that's where he goes and sit and he has a designated time daily when he prays and so what I want you to do is spend this week figuring out where's your place put that up response to the message on the on the screen figure out I want you to pick a place and I want you to set a time not I want you to figure out the logistics place and time shout place and time that's all I want you to do this week where it's going to be your praying place with the place that you're going to encounter God the place that you're going to dialogue with God and then I want you to figure out what time will that be I want you to just go ahead and schedule it. Do the work this week. So you're going to schedule it for next week. And then when you get back next week, we're going to start talking about how we're going to step onto this prayer journey together as we head towards Easter, expecting to encounter God, to, be, to grasp the relationship that he's calling us to have with him. All right? Can you shout amen? Amen. Turn your card in when it's finished. Thank you.